You're listening to Popcorn Poops, episode 96, in which we watch and discuss Robert Eggers' 2015 film, The Witch, for hashtag Witch Month. If you'd like to sync this podcast episode up to the movie, go ahead and start the film and then press pause as soon as the title card reading The Witch, a New England folktale, cuts to black. We'll get things started here soon, but first, here's a word from our poo pals over at The Projection Booth. Hi, I'm Mike White. And I'm Rob St. Mary. And we're the hosts of the Projection Booth Podcast. If you haven't heard of the Projection Booth, that's okay. But we think it's time that you have. We've been doing this for over three years now. And we think we're doing a pretty good show. Every week we look at a different film and put it in context. We try to bring you interviews with the people behind the films. Or experts on a subject matter covered in the film. We don't specialize in any one particular genre or type of film. We try to examine every aspect of cinema. From every corner of the globe. Even at three years, we barely just scratched the surface. But we're ready. We're ready for you to listen to us. That's right. Now's the time to give us a shot. Download us through our free smartphone app. Or through Stitcher, iTunes, Geek Juice Radio, Jackalow. Or our website. Projection-booth.com. We'll keep making great shows. Now it's your turn to listen to them. We are the Pumpkin Welcome to Pumpkin Poops, the spookiest married couple movie podcast slash commentary track hybrid audio program on the internet. My name is Dustin, and with me, as always, and most of the time, is my wife, Jessica. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. This extra spooky evening. It's Halloween weekend. It is, but that means that Halloween's about to be over. Which is so sad. It's exciting. It's the most exciting and then the most sad time of the year because Halloween's almost here, but then that also means it's almost not here anymore. That's right. Um, is Halloween your favorite holiday? Halloween is my favorite holiday. Why is that? Why, uh, why do you like Halloween? Because when I was growing up, Christmas was always my favorite holiday. But then as I got older, Halloween became my favorite holiday. So why is it that Halloween? I mean, I don't even really like candy or sweet things. No, we, I mean, neither one of us really have a, has a sweet tooth. So it's not the candy. Um, I just always, my family always made a big deal out of it. There was always a party. Like mm. when I was really little, there were adult parties. And then... When I was old enough to have friends, um, then then we would have kid parties and we'd have Halloween parties. And and when I was a teenager, I always had a Halloween party and we'd do ridiculous stuff. We'd pull pranks on my friends and stuff and, well, we, and you, make it pretty spoopy. You and I have had some pretty epic we Halloween have parties. Continued that tradition, yeah. Well, yeah, we we haven't since we've moved back to the states from Japan. But you know, when we lived here before uh, before we moved to Japan, we had some great Halloween parties. Then carried that over to Japan, and since we've come back, it's just not really happen but maybe next year next year i'm shooting right. for an, an amazing halloween party at our house well we had a little bitty apartment and now we have a house but it's been like a month we've been moved in so yeah yeah so just, too just not much. not settled enough but yeah so i just love halloween i love i love horror movies are my favorite movies and it's i love spooky spooky it's stuff movies. it's the best time of year to watch movies for sure it is such a good time of year to totally. watch movies as always you can find us on our website at popcornpoops.com you can subscribe to us on itunes stitcher google play or youtube uh social media you can follow us on twitter at popcorn poops or individually i am at dusty cram cram And I'm at J Casper Kramer. Uh, You can like our Facebook page and you can also follow us on Instagram and on Twitch at at, uh, twitch.tv slash the pixel poops. If you'd like to support the show, you can uh, shop for some stuff on our on our shop that we've got on our website. We got 
t-shirts and buttons buttons and tote bags and things like that. Uh, you can also donate to us by going to our website and clicking on the donut button. You can't miss it. It's a big pink donut. Uh, or you can uh, subscribe to uh, Audible for a 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com slash popcornpoops, and you'll get a free audiobook that's yours to keep uh, whether or not you continue with that trial after it has expired. And the number one best way to support the show is, of course, by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher, which we will in turn read on the show, uh, which is a lot of fun for us and a lot of fun for you as the listeners. Uh, do we have a review to read this week? Nope. We do not. So for next week, I uh, I hope that we have a review on iTunes or Stitcher, but it's up to you, Poopling. We can't just we can't just make it. I mean, we could make it up, but that that wouldn't be very uh, honest, would it? No, it wouldn't. It would not. And that I, would be a lie. And and integrity is everything to us here at Popcorn Poops. Um, so yeah, if you'd like to leave us a rating and review, it would really help us out, and we will read it on the show. This week, we are wrapping up hashtag Witch Month with uh, Robert Eggers' 2015 film, The Witch. So without further ado, let's get on with it. Sinkers, press play at the beep after the countdown. Ready? Three, two, one. So we're off. this was one of those movies where it, I saw the trailer months before it came out, right? And yeah. and I remember us just sitting there and going, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> like, I mean the trail the trailer was really great, really atmospheric, mm-hmm. really you know kind of sold this movie for exactly what it was. And when we saw it, it was I mean in hindsight, looking back at that trailer, it is a really great trailer. Yeah, I think so. Doesn't, I think, g- doesn't give anything away, sells the mood, you know, gives you exactly what you need to know. I think it, and it definitely for me, I mean, not to bury the lead, it lived up to what, what I wanted it to be when sure. I saw that trailer. I mean, there's, there's so. no, there's no, there's no reason to keep it a secret. Both you and I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this is probably my favorite movie that I've seen this year. Uh, to be fair, I haven't seen as many movies this year as I wanted to. Uh, but yeah, this is right up there at the top of the list. I, we were very impressed with this when we saw it in theaters back in the spring, I think, mm-hmm. uh, uh, is when it had its, its wide, wide ish release. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I, the one thing that always stands out to me about that trailer, you know, I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in like professional film critics, but I have a few that I follow and really respect. Uh, and Drew McWeeny, I believe, uh, formerly of hit fix had a, had an amazing poster quote in that, in that trailer, uh, that was something along the lines of, it feels like something you shouldn't be watching, mm. like watching it. It feels like you're seeing something you shouldn't be seeing. And that's a, that's a great way to describe this movie. Um, but yeah, so, uh, the movie starts and we've got, uh, the family here. Um, and I I think a brilliant choice to have, uh, the voice of Ralph Ennison, uh, be the first thing that you hear and you hear it. That's the father, the father. Yeah. And I believe you hear it over black at first. Um, and yeah, she just has, I love that shot right there with the native Americans walking into the town and immediately you just know, you know where you are. All of a yeah. sudden, you're just like, oh, okay, wow, yeah, I know exactly where I am. Anyway, yeah, just Ralph Ennison just has one of the most amazing, like, richest, deepest voices uh, in, in you know, contemporary cinema right now, and and I think they use that to great effect. But yeah, the, the shot with the Native Americans watching the family exiled from this, this establishment, I feel like it's... I don't know. I, there, there's a couple of layers to that, you know, with with the uh, the settlers uh, in not really an exile in self-imposed exile from their motherland uh, coming to another place. And then, you know, the the family kind of 
in a way self-exiling themselves from yet this exiled settlement. Right. Um, and these, what we would, what to them are outsiders, you know, the Native Americans, but they're, they're in, they are in fact the outsiders kind of watching them right. leave the settlement. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a, there's a few things working there that I, that I think are, are pretty interesting. Uh, the, the, this does take place in 1630. In okay. what you, you said it was supposed it's to be. Spo- I mean, it's supposed to be New England. So I don't I don't think it's supposed to be a specific place in New England. New Hampshire okay. I, is what he was looking for. Um, that That's where they wanted to film, as I understand. But the tax incentives just sucked. So they went to yeah. Canada. They don't delve into the politics at all uh, of why the settlers moved here uh, in the first place, but they infer uh, the the truthful narrative of I don't know I I feel like um like I- at least in our American education system we were taught that uh, kind of blanket statement the Pilgrims came to Plymouth Rock to escape religious persecution and to to worship freely the way they want to right. And the fact of the matter is, is that they were getting away from the Church of England, who they felt were not pious enough. Well, so basically, I mean, we're talking Puritans here, which yes. which was a name that was a taunt that was given to them. Um, it sounds still sounds like yeah, one, yeah, um, because they wanted to purify the Church of England from its Catholic practices. Also, we got Kate Dickey here, uh, who you might recognize from Game of Thrones. Is she typecast officially as someone who breastfeeds on camera? I guess so, because that because she does that in Game of Thrones too. Yeah. A, to be fair, a it's grown, a, lot, a grown boy. It's, it's a lot creepier in Game of Thrones. I don't know. Breastfeeding in this movie gets pretty creepy, too. Yeah. Yeah, it it does. It does. It goes places. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Well, just that. I mean, that was pretty much what I was going to say. I mean, a lot of them emigrated to the Netherlands and then some of them came over yeah, to America. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we always we always learn about it as children as like, oh, so they could they were being persecuted for their religious beliefs and they got to practice freely and you're like yeah because they were kind of crazy and the feeling that you get from that when you hear that is just like oh well the 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 church of england must have been very overly dogmatic and very oppressive in the way that they they believed and worshiped and these people were getting away to live maybe a more free happy maybe relaxed more relaxed in their in their dogma no not not the case they wanted they they wanted to go full on with their uh I mean we can talk Puritan beliefs practices. and stuff if you want to because I have a lot of notes but this scene but later, this scene right here um man trailer another trailer shot you know here we saw the native americans were in the trailer and then this moment here where she's doing peekaboo and then and then the baby is gone and every time every time she she covers her face you just God, I just tense up. I'm, oh, and, and like, I mean, is it this time? Is it? Oh, it's, it's this pure time. tension, and it's this time. I mean, and it's lots of like, and you know, baby it's is gone. Them looking into the camera. It's the, you know, the the nature of these shots. Uh, how long these shots are? I mean, when when they're being exiled, there's just that long shot of them, and it's like. The shot is. And I like, love. I love. I'm sorry. I love that moment right there where she runs up to the edge of the woods and just stops, yeah. and we don't need any explanation. So the the like the shots in this, all of the shots in this are like 20 percent too long, but in a good way. Uh, it's just a way to kind of build tension. Uh, the the shot of them leaving the settlement is another one that I go back to because we watch them go all the way into 
the woods pretty much, you know, and Mm -hmm. it just hangs on that shot and you can kind of see, you know, you get these long shots of these tall trees and of the clouds and the sky and all this kind of stuff with this really haunting score by Mark Corvin, who does an amazing job, um, really setting up nature Nature as kind of the, the the antagonist of this. Nature as this uh, primal evil that is there to do nothing but punish these people, to hurt these people. Right. Um, for for their sins. And, of course, we see, like, first thing we see of, of Thomasine, played by Anna Taylor-Joy, is... Um, oh, making that baby yeah, mush. That baby mush. We see her praying, uh, establishing her immediately as a sinner, as someone who is repenting. Uh, but then we've got stuff like this, like this. This movie just doesn't hold back. We're like, yeah, just immediately. I mean, How many minutes are we into this? Like five, five minutes, less than five. And we minutes? have we have naked witch mashing baby and spreading baby all over her body. We have full on baby murder. She's made baby sauce that she's <laughs> rubbing all over her naked witch body. And, and she, all over, I'm guessing a broomstick. It looks like a broomstick. Like this is such a like such a classic, traditional uh, ideal of of what a is, witch. Is she, what is she doing there with it? I don't know. I don't know. But this whole thing is just. It's very sexual too. And this shot of her walking into the moonlight. Oh man, just amazing. Super Halloween. Yes, great Halloween movie, totally. <laughs> um, Which is why we're we're talking. Is that about her it. walking into the moonlight? Is or that, it's a is bird? That her hair? I think or, it's her. Or is it a bird sitting there? I don't know. It's hard it, to tell. Well, it looks like her. It looks like her and hunched then over it with looks her. Looks like a bird, and then it looks like the crow that we see later, or the raven, or whatever it is. I think mm-hmm. it's a raven because it's bigger than a crow. Which could be an idea. Which like we, a, we, a, we talked about in our an, episode of the crow. Um. <laughs> like a familiar or something of the witch because we have a lot of that in this movie yes yeah we Um, do a lot of animal actors or a few animal actors uh black phillip black phillip we'll talk about him we'll We'll, talk a lot about black we'll get there um but yeah so so right off the bat you know we are told this witch is real or at least i mean at this point we haven't seen any magic or we haven't seen anything crazy so so we know there's at least a crazy person in the woods who thinks that she is a witch that steals babies and mashes them up and spreads them all over her naked body caleb here played by harvey scrimshaw who also sins in his first prominent moment lusting after his sister and Mm -hmm. checking out her boobies um i feel like oh i forgot i forgot to mention this the sound of the witch mashing up the baby mm-hmm. and then that sound becoming the rhythmic base of the score. Yeah. I am such a sucker for diegetic sounds that become part of the musical score. And I think a really good example, this is a great example of that, but probably my favorite example is the trailer for a serious man. Uh, oh yeah. A yeah, ma- yeah, yeah incredible. Yeah. Tra- one of the best trailers of all time. Um, but yeah, that that's just, that's pretty amazing. But yeah. Anyways, um, I feel like I have to say something, though, about it, because every time I see it, I fight with myself and think about it. What about the fact that that an early shot in this movie is, especially because of the kind of movie this is and the things that it actually is trying to say about feminism and stuff like that? Sure. Um, If you're looking at it through that lens, sure. Right. Um, What about what about the idea of the old woman's body? being 
something to be feared. Do you, do you, I mean, that's something we talk sure. about a lot when we watch horror movies where, you know, there's the, the horror trope of a guy is kissing or having sex with a beautiful woman. And then the scary thing is he realizes she's not really beautiful. Well, I, I mean, she's old and ugly. I, I don't, I don't think that that, I don't think this movie is taking, um, is taking those tropes for granted. I think that the movie actually has that thematic thread through it. You know, we've got the wife who later expresses concerns about, you know, never have, never having wanting, wanted to be a shrew, you know, to her husband and, you know, uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum, they, they talk about their daughter being ready to be given away to, to serve mm-hmm. another family because the, what is it? The show of blood or something like that. Yeah. She started her period. The, the fancy, the and poetic, also they're starving. And... Yeah. The poetic word for a period. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that, you know, those ideas of, of body image are not totally lost in this movie. And I think that, you know, uh, they're taking something that is traditional and kind of classic and, and, something right out of folk tales mm. um and they're weaving a little bit of of contemporary thematics into it and i think that their their main focus in this is really religion um i think that they really take religion to task mm-hmm. uh, in this movie and and um um the idea of being maybe too pious or um i don't know you you know what i'm trying to say well well i I will say, though, some of the reviews and stuff I read talked about how uh, reviews that were negative for this movie talked about how um, how this movie attacks an, an easy target and it's unfair. Like the fact that we're 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 attacking people, you know, in their religion who are hundreds of years old, like that that's an easy target to make fun of and to to look down upon or judge Uh, the only the reason that i would disagree with that is because they and we'll talk about it when they get there there's a scene coming up that i'm about to talk i'm going to talk about um i think that the although the the way they practice is what we would consider extreme today there are echoes of the way they practice that affected me in my childhood i was raised very in a very religious household and some of the things that they say in 16 fucking 30 in this movie are things that were said to me you know ideas that i had to struggle with and 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 you know crises of faith that i had to deal with because i was basically raised um on a dogma of fear, you know? Well, and what I would say uh, in in regard to that is that basically whether or not you want to say that they're like attacking an easy target, the thing is, is that at the end of the day, they're right. The Puritans are right. In the, well. Right, in the, well, in this, in sure. this, in this universe that this movie has created because the witch is real and is a real witch and the devil is real and if the devil is real, then we have to assume that everything else that they thought was probably real, too. So, mm-hmm. so right? Like, they were right to be afraid of the witch and possession sure. and demon- demonic possession and all um, of that, right? Ro- the, the director, Robert Eggers, uh, who also wrote this, he, he, intended, he intended for the movie to be taken at face value. He intended it for it to be interpreted literally, like the things that happen in the movie actually happen. Um, so taking author's intent into consideration, I think that, um, that that thematic inconsistency is something that you're just going to have to deal with for a movie that
it doesn't shy away from the moments that we really want out of a movie like this. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the moments that you wouldn't expect from a movie that feels the way this movie does, that has the atmosphere that, that this movie does. Like this is a this is a beautifully shot, beautifully written movie um, that is is full of I mean, just overflowing with artistic merit. And you would expect a movie like this to be kind of ambiguous. That's right, what you right. expect. But but to be fair, he did allow for uh, for a different interpretation of this, just in case. Uh, the corn uh, that has the rot on it, the type of rot that is on the corn, um, I'm not. I've got it in my notes here somewhere, but it's 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 a hallucinogen. Oh, interesting. So the corn that they're eating, the corn that they're growing that's bad and basically the only food that they have could possibly be making them hallucinate the things, you know, in this movie. Okay, that's And causing them to kind of go crazy. That's interesting. But, yeah. Um, what, what, oh, and I love this moment right here where, where the little boy is, he, this is what happens, people, right? right? Yes. When, when you breed fear into your children, religious fear into your children, then you have. This is what I was talking about. You know, this is, you know, Caleb is asking his father if, you know, since Samuel, the baby is gone, is the baby in hell? The baby wasn't able to get baptized. Um, the mom makes a comment about it later about having asked the husband many times to to bring him to be baptized. Right. And this was done to me. Like, I know this is in, in 1630, but this is done to me. And although I was taught about something that I feel like is probably more contemporary um, compared to this, at least, and that is the quote unquote age of accountability. Uh, and if anybody who is raised in, in religious households, you're probably familiar with the concept of the age of accountability, um, which William, the father, does sort of allude to with the uh, you are youngly yet line. Um, but, yeah, it's it's. It's terrifying. You know, you've got this kid who's on the verge of puberty. He's, what would you say? He's maybe 11. Hmm. Is that how old you maybe, think? Maybe younger. Maybe. Um, and he's terrified that his baby brother is burning in hell for eternity. That if he were to die, you know, they're, they're, they're in pretty dire straits. You know, they, they know that they don't have a whole lot of food. Their baby is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that even at this point in the movie, all of them have a sense that their lives are in danger. Whether right. or not there's a witch in the woods, that's not even crossed any of their minds at this point, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, you know, that's terrifying. That's uh, that's child abuse. <laughs> well, and, and of course, they're also talking about that was the scene where they start talking about um, what what boils down to the elect and predestination for Puritans. Right. So, um so talking about Puritan beliefs a little bit, um, basically humans are horribly innately sinful things because of Adam and Eve. And, but there are a small number of elect that will receive God's grace, no matter what they do in life, no matter what you do. So you can spend your life being a horrible person um, how did they shoot anything back in the day? <laughs> how did they actually hit anything with a gun? So, so of course, you're referring to um, shooting with that musket that's got the... It wasn't even flint. It was like wick locker. I don't even oh, know what you'd call Phillip. it. Um, yeah. The, and nothing really ever comes of the fact that he kind of blew his eye out or you know something exploded right in his eye. That's not ever addressed. I guess it just hurt for a second. Yeah. Anyways, I expected that to be more of a thing when I first saw this. Yeah, but. I did too. 
Um, anyways, uh, so so the elect basically, no matter what you did in life, um, you either were predestined to be to go to heaven or you weren't. Right. And there were only, uh, I mean, I don't know what the number was. I feel like some some sects had like a number, and right. it was really small. Um, but but anyways, no matter what the number was, like it didn't matter whether or not you did good things or bad things in your life. That didn't affect whether or not you got to go to heaven. But but people who were elect would choose to come to God on their own. So I guess people like to automatically, you know, have everybody think that they were one of the elect by going. I, I can't remember which which denomination it is does Mormon does Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness count count as denominations of Christianity I think they do um I can't remember which denomination it is but one of them believes in the the, the number on the elect so to speak is 144,000 it's either Mormons or Jehovah's Witness uh, I, I'm not sure um well, and I mean, Protestants are like, there are so many regional customs and beliefs and stuff with Protestants that like the Mayflower pilgrims were actually called separatists. And there's no consensus among historians about whether or not they were technically even Puritans or could be right. called Puritans. And and even like saying Puritans, like there was, as I understand, there was never, um, there was never even like, like you, an official sect of, of Puritans or something like that. Mm-hmm. So... Um, but, you know, they generally believed in demonic forces and possession and witchcraft and there were exorcisms and well, I mean, you know, the, they were super strict. The church that I grew up in didn't have a hard number on how many people were going were, you know, God's chosen children. But did they believe in predestination? Yes and no. It was super confusing to I mean, it's still super confusing. They believe uh, that God knows. And you're talking Pentecostal Church of God. Just yeah, so. Pen- yes, I was raised in the Church of God out of Cleveland, Tennessee, but. You know, I, of course, I was raised in Nashville, Mount Juliet, east of Nashville. Um, but they believe that God is, of course, all-knowing, all-powerful, uh, omniscient, omnipotent, all the omnis. And he knows everything that has happened and will happen. Therefore, he knows whether or not everyone, who will go to heaven and who will go to hell ultimately. However, everyone has free will. So we are able to make the choice to either follow his word or not and make the choice to have our heavenly reward or our eternal punishment. But the thing that always fucked me up was was if God already knows, then what, what choice I'm going to make, then do I actually have that choice? No. Like the, the, the answer is obviously no. If he knows, then I don't have that choice actually. Right. So I guess the answer to do they believe in predestination is yes and no at the same time. Look at those old man muscles. These are uh, these are these are pilgrim muscles right here. Uh, Ralph Ennison is 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 built like a man who has done hard work, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So we didn't mention it, but I did want to comment on that scene where um, where we see she she uh, has to go take off her father's clothes for him. Yeah. Uh, just because there is sex all over this movie. There is sex and sexuality lust. all over this movie. The sin of lust. Um, because that's a major part of of witchcraft and, 
and the Puritan fears about everything and all that kind of stuff, right? Is that she she is young. Women um, women were more likely to be witches, not because like women were witches and men weren't, but women were more likely to be accused of witchcraft and stuff. Usually they were middle-aged um, and usually it was a neighbor or friend who accused them. And it was it was women who weren't the stereotypical definition of a Puritan's idea of like a woman. So someone who hadn't had a child by the time most women had children, that was a typical uh, person who'd be accused. And and it was because Puritans believed the devil had an easier time getting at a woman's weaker body. That was part of it is that women's bodies were weaker and so the devil could get in there easier. And then also because women were more predisposed to sin since they were seen as more tempted by material goods and more sexual. Oh my God. But both of those are shown in this movie. Both of those are factors, right? So, I mean, if nothing else, this moment right here, like again, he looks at his sister's boobs and then she calls him to her and she holds him in her lap up against her breast and strokes his strokes his head and then starts talking about apples and how she wishes that she could have an apple there's a whole i mean there's a whole you know thread of of i guess story thread of the apples where he lies to his mother about why he and his father went into the woods that morning um and he says that they were looking for apples because he thought he saw an apple tree in the valley uh and then you know uh, Thomasine, his sister, says, oh, how I wish you had found apples. And then later on, the apple comes back in a very grotesque way, which, of course, an apple is, uh, is of course, a, a, an image, uh, a symbol from the Bible, from right. the book of Genesis, uh, uh, featured prominently in the story of Adam and Eve uh, and in the temptation of Adam and Eve by the devil. Right. Apples are sex. Apples are sin. Apples are temptation yes, and lust. Because when you eat the apple, where you eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of, of, of what is it? The tree of knowledge. Uh, then you, then Adam and Eve then gained the knowledge of good and evil. Before they were totally naive of good and evil, so they were they defaulted to good. I don't know about that, <laughs> but uh, that's a that's a uh, apparently how it's supposed to work. Um, but yeah, once they learned of what evil was, then they had evil in their minds and their hearts. But so she's talking about apples while holding her brother who's been looking at her boobs and she's wishing how she could have an apple and then they start tickling each other and, and yeah, it's sex all over the place, right? And then the other thing, um, about witches, which is being more tempted by material goods, women being more tempted by material goods and so more predisposed to sin, um, she talks about the glass windows in her house. She remembers the glass windows, the her brother cup. and the silver cup. Yep. She remembers the glass windows and her brother doesn't remember them. And glass windows were a sign of extreme wealth back in the day. Right. So she remembers those windows and she keeps talking about them when they go out in the woods together alone before Caleb disappears. Um, he doesn't remember him. And then at the end, right? Like, what does the devil ask her about? He asks her about, does she want to have butter? Does she want pretty dresses? Mm-hmm. Right? Material, Material goods things. again. So. Uh, the the scene that we saw where uh, one of the, what's her name? Mercy. Uh, the little girl, Mercy, uh, comes up and starts acting like a witch and saying that she's a witch. And then Thomasine um, 
gets back at her and starts prodding at her by saying that, no, she is the witch of the wood and that she stole their baby brother. And it's very, very tasteless for, you know, having just lost your baby brother to be saying these kind of things. But um, her what she does to her little sister sounds like a really good way to get yourself in super deep shit with your crazy religious parents. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't have tried that shit in childhood. I got in trouble once. I've told you this before. I've gotten in trouble once, and I was a kid. I'm not saying this was clever or even funny, but I got in trouble once for singing It's Beginning... It was around Christmas time. It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Satan. <laughs> I got in trouble for that shit, so... Uh, like, for real trouble. Well, I mean, not... F- no, I wasn't, like, actively punished. It was. I got yelled at. We were in the car or something. <laughs> Um, so lighting, this is a good scene to talk about it. Um, as I understand, most of this movie was done with natural lighting. Most of it. Yeah. Um, and, and Edgar was super serious about the historical accuracy of this film. Apparently he did years of research before, before writing and filming this and I'm sure while enduring. Um, and and one thing that a lot of historians always call him out on, apparently, for the most part, by the way, this is this is historian stamp certified approved. Yeah. Like like historians who are who watch this movie say things along the lines of it is the best depiction of this time period that's ever been on film wow. and things like that. Like like it's really, really good. The clothing is is hand stitched wool, the um the the buildings and stuff are soft with a uh, I forget what it's called um, but not a circular saw right uh, right like they did everything by the book to make this for real and legit and the one thing he gets called out on by historians is they're always like oh the candles are too bright (laughs) candles are too bright and he's always like damn it I know it's like we gotta light our fucking movie he used triple wicks for the candles and that's how he got the brightness that they're at but every time he's just like i know okay i know i know the candles are too bright you gotta light your fucking (laughs) gotta light the set (laughs) i mean he he used he used a camera i can't remember the name of the camera it's like a i think it's called like an alexa eris or something like that um but it's a camera that's kind of famous for being able to shoot in super low light situations Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you can shoot in just pure like I guess single wick candle light. <laughs> you know, you got to have at least three wicks on your candles to. But I think it looks so good, though. It looks the lighting is so good. Oh, and I meant to do research. I forget what those things are called. That it's a different kind of like where the candle is sideways and um and it, it's a different thing. I've always oh, wanted yeah. one too. I forget what they're called though. The sideways candle. Yeah, it's not called that. Um. Yeah, the, the the Witch of the Woods scene that we saw, going back to that for just a second, that's uh, Anya Taylor. Did I call her Anna? Her name is Anya. Anya Taylor Joy's first real dramatic heavy lifting in the movie. And she already, even this early on, kind of shows herself to be the weakest of the actors. Oh, yeah, we haven't talked about that. Which is a shame. Um, the performances in this movie are by and large, amazing. Outstanding performances. I mean, even the little kids are so fucking good. And I think that... Ooh, that evil rabbit. (laughs) uh, And I think in any other movie, 
Anya Taylor Joy, her her performance would, would be, be fine. more than serviceable. I think it would even. I mean, it's not even a bad performance, but she is so overshadowed by by everyone incredible else. performances yeah. by everyone else, even the kids. Yeah, Caleb. Oh my God, the scene Surprise. coming up. Yeah, with we'll the, talk about it with the exorcism. I guess you could call yeah, it. Yeah, I mean that's the closest the possession thing. Yeah, the scene. Possession scene. Um. Oh my God, that boy is so good. Such a surprise. Um, uh, going back to the way this movie looks, the the color palette. I love the color palette. It's either warm or cold, but all almost always like nearly monochrome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the the scene that we just saw where she goes out and sees the evil rabbit in the barn, um, she brings a little bit of that warm indoor light outside into the cold, and you've got that contrast where mm-hmm. the outside is cool colors, and then you've just got like this spot of warmth moving across the screen. Um, but yeah, the, uh, that rabbit in the barn, the scene with the rabbit in the barn, that's for the audience because Thomasine wasn't in the woods to see that. So it's, it's only creepy for us. I wonder if it would have been better to Mm -hmm. have Caleb go out and bed down the goats so that he could see the rabbit again. Yeah. Uh, because that's not for anybody else. Like it's creepy that the rabbit's in there, but is it creepy to her? It's a, it's a rabbit. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to read the Black Philip song. Can I read it to you? Okay. They've already sang it. They yeah. already sang it. Black Philip, Black Philip, a crown grows on his head. Black Philip, Black Philip, Philip to nanny queen is wed. Jump to the fence post, running in the stall. Black Philip, Black Philip, king of all. Black Philip, Black Philip, king of sky and land. Black Philip, Black Philip, king of sea and sand. We are ye servants. We are ye men. Black Philip eats the lions from the lion's den. So I was thinking about it, and I mean, they're talking about Satan. Yes, yes. Um, um, talking and, about king of all land, sky, sea. They all talk of about that. being his servants. Uh huh. They talk about the being his servants. I am surprised that mommy and daddy didn't hear that song no and shit. be like, "You are servants to the goat." To 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 the black goat with the devil horns. Hmm. That's, hmm. That's suspicious as fuck. <laughs> and then. Eating the lions from the lion's den. All I could think about was a reference to like Daniel in the lion's den, right? Like he trumps all of them. Like God can make the lions, you know, not kill Daniel, but the devil can just fucking eat the lions. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, The scene that we're watching right now, um, there, Kate, um, I guess Catherine, Kate, mm -hmm. he calls her Kate. Uh, played by Kate Dickey. The mom. Uh, the mom. Uh, Catherine is lamenting the fact that they've, you know, that they left, not, you know, that they left the settlement, um, that they're out here and they're starving, that they're going to die, that, you know, a lot of things, that their baby is dead and in hell. Uh, and the other kids are, you know, overhearing this. Oh, and I love it too because they're downstairs and, and the mom calls up to them, you know, to see if they're say, awake. Are you asleep? Are yeah. you asleep? Are you asleep? And when she gets no answer, she's she's like, okay, they must be asleep and starts saying all this horrible shit. Yeah. And of course, the kids are all totally awake and sitting up there listening to them. Yep. So. Um, but the things that, that William is saying to her to try to calm her down and talking about how uh, God has taken them to their lowest point just to show them more of his grace and all that kind of shit. That's the kind of men. And this is, again, this is a, a concept that echoes uh, to today, to the, to the kind of religion that I was brought up in. 
And it's the mental gymnastics that the devout do to explain how their troubles are part of God's plan. That that rings true today. And I've seen it in action. And I don't I don't want I don't want to judge because on one hand, I think it's a troubling form of denial. Um, I think it's a way to ignore things that it can be used to ignore things that you need to address. It's a it's you know. It's the same mentality that goes into people who don't get disorders and illnesses diagnosed and treated because they feel like God will heal them and it's part of his plan and all this shit. Um, but at the same time, I feel that for a lot of people, of course, religion is a coping mechanism. Like right. I, th- I feel like big, yeah. I feel like big picture religion helps you know people deal with the fact that we're gonna die someday and that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> but right. you know we have to. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that that's that's, I don't, I don't want to say that this movie is picking on these people from 1630. I don't want to, I don't, I don't think so. I don't feel the movie. And like I said, in the end, they're right anyway. So yes, in in the universe of this movie, they're right. But I don't, I don't want to feel, I don't feel like they're picking on uh, the people in this movie because it's, they're not looking back and saying, Oh, how quaint we've grown past that. Absolutely not. Well, right. Because we haven't grown past it. So Um, maybe, maybe to some people you think we've grown past it, but, but we haven't. Uh, this moment right here, I think I said this in our Blair Witch Project episode, but I think it holds true here as well, that there's a real Hansel and Gretel quality mm. to this moment and to parts of this movie. Oh, and this where she's this is where she's talking about the, the glass windows and stuff. Yeah. She's talking about um, her... That fucking gun is bigger than this I little know, boy. I love, I love the image of that boy carrying that gun. Um, uh her talking about her father laughing and making a joke in the past. And you're just like, Oh my God, I can't even imagine that. What does a laugh sound like from that? She's talking about him, him finding the dog on the table and saying something about like, we will roast this beast or something like that. And, and Oh, the fucking rabbit again. See, and Caleb sees it. And you know, I don't know that he, I don't. Really th- I don't think he. he, he well, he isn't going to think it's evil at this point. Um. Um, and and also uh, talking about people being happy or not happy. The um, the mother. We see her smile. I love the kids. <laughs> I, I tied like up. that the kids are tied up because at this point, when you've lost as many kids as they've lost at this point, you you, you just tie them. You up. just tie up the rest. It's like we got to keep. We've got two left at this point. Let's tie them up and make sure we don't lose. And them. I love how they're struggling against the <laughs> yeah. ropes. And I love that they're like calling out for their brother and sister while they're struggling, as though they're helping. Oh my god, those two kids are awful. Oh god, they're such horrible yeah. children. Um, what was I saying? Uh, I I remember. thanks. Um, I, I know I'm super helpful. Damn it. Sorry. Um, do you notice something weird? So we're watching the Blu-ray, which is beautiful. Um, do you notice something weird about the shape of the image, the aspect ratio? I just remembered what I was saying. Oh, damn it. So, so the mom. <laughs> okay, I guess I'll save that one for later. <laughs> so the mom, uh, we saw her smiling at the beginning of the movie when she had her baby, when she had Sam. Right. And the only other times I think that we see her smile in the movie at all is when, um, when, when she 
is forgiving Thomason because she realizes the father had been lying. Oh, poor oh, puppy. The poor dog Fowler. Fowler is dead. In a horrible see, way. See, in horror movies, usually characters die off in order of least importance to most important. Mm-hmm. They tend to. Um, so, you know, Robert Eggers, as a as a director, understands this. And kill, it, killing a baby is bad enough. Like, we open the movie with the brutal death and mashing up of a little baby. Um, but you don't fucking kill the dog. You don't kill the dog. I mean, dude, dude means business when you kill the dog. Oh, yeah. But that's fine. I mean, yeah. Because um, he means business. Because he means business. Um, and then we see the mom smiling when she sees her children... Uh, and she's breastfeeding the the raven or the crow or whatever it is later on. Yeah, yeah, but that's it for the movie. Okay, so go back to your go back to your aspect ratio. Um, yeah. So so do you notice anything different about the aspect ratio here? About how strange it. I'm looks? sure I'm supposed to. Well, there are. We can see on our 16 by nine widescreen display that there are small black bars on the sides. Right, okay, but not big. But not big black bars. So this isn't shot in full screen. This isn't shot in four by three or one point three three by one. This is shot in a really rare. Well, now rare. It wasn't rare before. Uh, a rare aspect ratio of one point six six to one. Um, this is what cinematographer Jaron Blaschke uh, describes as more timeless. Um, Actually, you didn't really see a lot of what what's called Academy Flat or Academy Wide, which is 1.85 to 1 before like the 1950s. Uh, this is something that was more common back then. Um, but yeah, I, I think that not just the fact that the, the cinematographer likes it because it's an old aspect ratio, but also something we talked about in our Shining episode, what it does to the image and what it does to the the, the atmosphere and the emotion of, of these scenes, because it's a little bit uh, more narrow than mm-hmm. widescreen, it's a little claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. You're a little closed in. I love it. The witch's hut. But at the same time, it's also taller. So it's because of that, it's also the aspect is taller than it is wide in a widescreen. Uh, aspect ratio so um the trees appear taller yeah it's like in the shining episode like we said it would that was shot full frame and four by three aspect ratio so those hallways look incredibly tall can i please just have this costume for halloween this year so this is the titular witch right it's such a perfect witch costume she looks kind of like little red riding hood Mm -hmm. to be fair um but yeah, this is, I guess this is the product of the old witch having rubbed baby gravy. <laughs> Not baby gravy. <laughs> That's a different thing. Um, baby gets, baby, baby mash. Ba- baby mash. Baby, baby mash. sauce. Baby sauce. <laughs> uh, baby goulash. How terrified All he is, that. but how much he wants those boobies and oh, cannot man. resist. He loves boobies. And he's like, this is better because it's These not my sister. These are the biggest boobies he's ever seen, and they are not his sister's boobies. See, this movie, this kiss right here, this movie understands how creepy it is when a grown woman kisses a little boy. Mm-hmm. A movie that does not understand this is Blank Check. 
Do you remember the movie Blank Check? Ah, uh, vaguely, yeah. Blank Check is about a little boy. Where it told us that, you know, you can write a check and not put the number <laughs> and then you can just somehow wind up with a bajillion right, dollars. Right, right, You can just write like a million dollars and which is what he does. And I think it's just one million dollars and buys like a mansion and all this shit. And it's, it's, it's a ridiculous movie. But at the end of that movie, the love interest in that movie is a grown ass woman who's like a police officer or an FBI agent or something like that. And she straight up kisses that kid on the mouth at the end of that movie. And that's creepy as hell. Unintentionally. Blank check. Thanks. I can't believe I've mentioned the movie Blank Check in our episode about The Witch. I can't either. Um, what was I going to talk about? Can we talk about Black Phillip some more? I'm sure if you got Black Phillip has a Twitter. <laughs> what? Apparently it came out even a few months before the movie. Okay. Um, you can go on there. What does is, what is Black Phillip talk about on Twitter? Uh... Goat stuff? Yeah. Um, Satan stuff, goat stuff. Satan and goat stuff? Um, the two things he knows? Uh, a lot of people were, I think I think there's one of those Trump hats, but it says make America goat again. <laughs> and like he, and he, people were saying for Black Phillip to run for president and he was saying if he got 666 retweets, then he would. And he got oh like 800 God. retweets. And But what he meant by that was 666 exactly if you overshoot it. Yeah, right. Then it's too much. Can't run for president. Um, Anyways, so Black Phillip, uh, no goats in American witchcraft lore, by the way. Really? Yeah. So so that's an interesting thing. But pretty much. Is that strictly European or. or... I mean, pretty much any animal can be a witch's familiar. And the devil is often depicted as a goat. And goats are often depicted in European stories about the devil because of goats predatory sexual potency and energy. And also, you know, horns and hooves and all that stuff. Um, Charlie is the name of Black Philip. The goat. Oh, his real real name. name, His real name is Charlie, and apparently he's a dick. Yeah. Apparently he was a pain in the fucking ass to work with. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I guess they use the very, very best, the greatest hits of Charlie, uh, so to speak, uh, because the performance that that goat gives in this movie is amazing. (laughs) An incredible performance. It's the best goat performance. Give that fucking goat an Oscar. He. Oh, okay. I mean, in the movie, but yeah. also in real life. Yeah, well, yes. Um, the director said that the the best animal actor to work with was the rabbit. He said the rabbit was amazing. Oh, how cool. Uh, and he said the horse was also pretty easy to work with. But the goat was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes sense. I mean, because he's a fucking goat. <laughs> like, but goats man, are the way, the way he jumps around in the movie, the way he like gets up on his back legs yeah. all the time. He is a scary goat. Yeah, totally. I, it makes you wonder if that was something that he's trained to do. Or if he's or if just, they just a jerk. If they just captured him going buck wild. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think it's that one. Um, and also he has like a person face. You know how animals sometimes oh, totally. have like a person Goats face? Goats have people eyes. Mm-hmm. That goat got devil eyes. <laughs> or do they? No, no, no. Goats don't have people eyes. Goats have those weird like Kermit the Frog eyes, don't they? I don't know. I what don't are you know. talking about? Goats have sometimes animals. I'm talking about how sometimes animals have people faces. Yeah, like, no, They just I kind agree. of no, have people faces. And Black Phillip has one of those people faces. And totally. And it's just no, no, no. really upsetting. I agree. I was just thinking about Kermit the Frog's eyes and how like the shape of Kermit the Frog's pupils 
looks like the holes. This is going back to my childhood. I've always thought that Kermit the Frog's pupils. Are you about to say something so stupid? No, no. Someone is going to understand this. Someone's going to agree with me. Kermit the Frog's fucking pupils look like the holes that products hang on, like on the shelves. So, like, if you have, like, an action figure that's got the, the board, you know, the, the, the cardboard back, the hole that the peg goes through where you hang it on the shelf, that shape is usually the shape of Kermit the Frog's <laughs> What does that matter with anything? Because I think that goats have a similar shaped eye or pupil, don't they? I, I don't, don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I feel like they've got weird eyes. I don't eyes. look at their pupils that much. I'm just talking about their... That goat has their... devil eyes. <laughs> I already said that. Oh, did you? Oh, shit. Anyway. Um... <laughs> oh, good. He's ill. Let's wrap him up because he's got a fever and then we'll drain the blood from his head. I didn't realize that bleeding was done this recently. Oh, God, yes. Like, I know 1630 is not recent, but, like, I thought that was a, like a straight-up no. Middle Ages No, thing. they were still... They didn't get real medicine for a long time. I mean, they this we're talking a time period where people still went to the barber to, like, have teeth extracted and gallstones removed and stuff like that. Like... Yeah. Like, yeah, they, they didn't have medicine. Uh, let's. Can we talk about this movie as a horror movie? As far as like oh, a, I wanted to mention one in one in three children, one in three children died before the age of nine in this oh, time period. Oh, and, and William talked about how they hadn't lost any mm-hmm. up to this point, trying to make her feel better about losing Samuel. Uh, this is something that I do want to mention: the fact that we continue to see uh, William chopping wood. Um, I think that this is. I think this might be part of his sin. And this also ties into what I was wanting wanting to talk about with like the conventions of horror movies and uh you know like Cabin in the Woods kind of broke it down on a on a straight up like literal narrative level where the characters choose their sin and then they're punished for that sin. I love how we don't see that last chop. Right. But I think that uh continuing to see William uh, I love this shot right here. I too, know, of, I know. Her, it's a trailer shot, but the little girl saying "ba ba" into it, it's Black just Luke. the camera or the microphone feels so close, you know, yeah. and and that goat's face is up in your face. Oh, I love it. I want to get this thought out. Say it. Him chopping wood is symbolic of his effort to conquer nature, which he specifically says in the movie that they're they are going to do. They will conquer this wilderness, I think, is the line. And I'm wondering if that is supposed to be part of his sin, uh, is that he feels like he can conquer uh, nature, which is inherently a creation of God. God's, you know. Nature is a is a pure creation of God, therefore it's created perfectly the way he intended, and he, as a man, is trying to conquer this thing that God made. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything to support that, but I think that it's interesting we continue to see him chopping the wood and this idea that they're you know their their main antagonist is this wilderness is you know nature uh also the parallels between this movie and, and the Lars von Trier film Antichrist, I think are very, very strong. Oh yeah. We said right from the moment we came out of the movie, we were like, that's a double feature, right? Oh yeah, for sure. The witch and Antichrist would be an amazing double feature. 
Um, I mean, because you've got it's so much of the same stuff thematically, thematically tonally. imagery. Like mm-hmm. you've got, you know, these the ideas of these these animals that represent the evil, you know, the evils of nature, the evils that live out in the woods and in the wilderness and shit. I think it's um, you've got a talking animal. I mean, <laughs> man, you ruined that movie for me, though. Why? Because you hyped it up so hard. I couldn't help it. It's so good. You hyped it up so hard as being like the scariest shit you had ever seen. And then I watched it and I was like, eh, OK, uh, I mean, it's scary, but I, I think the I mean, I still think it's a pretty terrifying movie, and I think the the way it manages to be terrifying with with what it does is kind of amazing. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't prepared for that movie when I watched it, which is why it affected me so much. The first time I saw Antichrist, it blew. Me I think away. if I hadn't been prepared for it, then I would have been affected by it. But yeah, I was so like hyped up for it that I I was just like. I don't know. You ruined it. You ruined it. I think the first time I saw it, I was also really baked. (laughs) So (laughs) that'll do it. That could have had something to do with it, but I was way zoned into that movie and it blew my mind. It was incredible. I still love that movie. I think it's a great film. Um, So we, let's see. So now we've got uh, Kate talking about uh, how, is she talking about, oh yeah, she's talking about how she wishes they were back home, not at the settlement now. All the way back in England, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, she talks about she's about to mention how she she never wanted to be a shrew. I never meant to be a shrew to thee, right? Um, and, and I have become, become as Job's, Job's wife. wife. Uh, and I think that that's interesting. So Job's wife. I think the the most probably the most famous quote from Job's wife in in the Bible. Is of course in the Old Testament, the book of Job, chapter two, verse nine. Uh, she says to Job, after he's gone through all of these terrible, tra- and for in case you don't know the story of Job, the story of Job is basically uh, God tests Job, tests Job. God and the faith. devil are playing a game. Basically, God and the devil make a bet about Job. And say, and the devil's like, I bet if you killed his whole family and took everything away from him and shit that he wouldn't believe in you anymore. And God's like, oh, yeah, let's fucking see. Watch me. <laughs> and he just smites the shit out of Joe and fucks his all life. his kids die. Um, they lose all their wealth. His and wife then leaves. their health is is totally I think like his wife leaves boil- or something. Well, his wife doesn't appear again until I know she shows back up when he's got boils and stuff because right. that's the line that you're about to talk so, about after she's seen her children die. Of let's course. keep that in mind. So they've lost all of their wealth, all of their land, all of their livestock, everything. And the thing that she says to Job after all of this uh, happens is, do you still pertis- persist in your integrity, curse God and die? And th- I think that that's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty, it's pretty power- much how you respond though, in that situation, pretty much. And that's, you know, and of course, Kate in this movie is saying that she, she is lamenting the fact that she has become that. I don't think that she said anything even remotely that, you know, pointed and said, you know, drop your fucking pride, which I think is, is, is interesting that that does end up kind of being the father kind of admits his own sin in this movie. And that is the sin of pride that he thought that he could do this, that he thought he could take his family out here. And he thought, and I guess ultimately conquer God's wilderness. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and he failed, but, 
I find it also interesting that everybody, despite how devout and pious and concerned with death and damnation and darkness that these people are and how to avoid that and how to stay in the good graces of God, they're all sinners and they continue to sin. And like that scene, like even as early on as them, you know, when, when the father and and Caleb come back from, uh, from hunting mm-hmm. and Caleb lies to his mother about where they went. The right. fact that he lies makes me cringe. It's just like, no, no, you can't lie. Don't lie. Don't you know that's bad? Like, and the father lets him lie. Yeah, which is. And the surprising. father lets the daughter take the blame for all sorts of stuff, yep. like the missing silver cup. Um. Anyways, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the mom. And of course, we are at the fantastic possession scene. Um, where Caleb just shows all this whole movie, you're like, yeah, he's doing a good job. He's, he's fine. fine. He's, he's fine. fine. No, he's, he's fine totally fine. Actor. He's totally fine. And then you watch this scene, you're like, holy shit, kid. This scene cements Harvey Scrimshaw, the actor who played Caleb, as the very unexpected MVP uh-huh. of this movie, yeah. performance-wise. Just phenomenal work. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's so good. Um Anyway, so so the mom, she started talking about having a dream when she was Thomason's age. About, oh, okay, I'm sorry. The apple has come back, and he's spitting up an apple. A, a bloody, a bloody rotten, rotten apple out of his mouth. Tiny apple. Oh, God. Oh, it's so Such good. Such a great image. So good. Okay, I'm sorry. Continue. Um, that, that's that's the, the bookend to that, you know, that symbolic. Yeah, to the apple yeah. stuff. Um. Okay, so so she talks about, the mom talks about having had a dream when she was Thomason's age. So we're talking about just when she, she'd started her period and was becoming a woman and all of that, right? On the, on the verge of puberty, she says she had a dream about Jesus being on earth with her and how she thought his love for her was betty, better than any possible husband's love for her. And you're sitting there listening to that going, um, um Jesus gave you the D? Like, <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're saying here? Because how can you not? And oh my God, like, you've heard it she's your been, whole life. She's been listening to too much Faith Plus One. You have heard it your whole life. I mean, that's a joke, but it's not a joke. Because how many times have you heard people talking about going in the closet with Jesus and all sorts well, of weird, fucked up sexual sounding shit? Well, you you know what, what God's people are referred to in like the context of... Uh, the rapture and the second coming of Christ and when he comes back to take his bride. Oh, I I haven't heard that yes. expression. So Christ is the bridegroom and his people, you know, the people who will go in the second coming and, and meet him in the air and shit like that, they are the bride. Right, that's really messed up. Right, right. Why do you got to make it be like that? Why does it got to have this weird sexuality behind it? I don't I don't know. And I don't know why no why no one addresses it. Like no one in the faith addresses like the weird obvious sexuality or you know the the sexual tinge to the relationship that that Christians are to have with Christ. It's well, and we've strange. and we've talked about it before too. I'm sure on the show we've talked about it. Um, we're like you know, in particular in the church that you grew up in, um, holy rollers, right? So, yeah. so people who are 
literally rolling all over the ground and gyrating like this, this, (laughs) gyrating, touching each other all over, like the way they put hands on each other while it's happening. It's very sexual. When you when you watch a large group of adults doing this, it's extremely sexual. And and so I think it's really interesting that this movie brings that there by having her talk about Jesus in that way, about having having when she was. Uh, when she was going through puberty, um, having dreams about Jesus being better than any husband to her. Yeah. And and then sure enough, at the end of this scene right here, because all of a sudden Caleb's like, oh, he's okay. Like right now he's been screaming and there's been craziness. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, Caleb's okay. You know and, what I just realized? Uh-huh, go ahead. Their teeth aren't gross enough. <laughs> yeah, their teeth probably should be grosser. They should be missing some teeth and stuff. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we start to seem okay. And then right here, my Lord, my love, kiss me with the kisses of thy mouth. And he's talking about Jesus. How lovely art thou, thy embrace, right? It's sex. And we bring it back to sex with Jesus. We bring it back there. And this is the moment where they know... Oh, wait a minute. He's not okay. I mean, take me to thy lap. Right? It's it's so good. even the it's even so the sub good. even the subtitles there. We're listening to to the where we've got the closed captioning on and his last breaths were like moans of joy. Mhm. What's that? Repressed people. That's what it is. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, it's puritans. They're super repressed people. Think about glad- these people. Why why is he looking at his sister's titties? Yeah. Because no, you're right. they are repressed people who live out in the woods away from everybody else because they are so religious. Yeah. There's nobody no other titties for him to look at. <laughs> so he's looking at his sister's no boobies. And 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 these people are, you know, they're stuck with each other in the woods. They have nothing but each other. The kids are going so crazy. I mean, we make up songs about our cat, right? <laughs> they're going so crazy that they're worshiping their goat. <laughs> and we've got shit that we can do. Like, can you imagine how how boring it would be out there? Like, right? Like how fast you would just go stir crazy? Yeah. Like you'd we, start singing songs about your goat being king we, of the world. We have playstations and shit, and we still make up songs about our cats, right? With all these other better things to do. <laughs> I'm sta- I'm sitting in front of a wall of like a thousand DVDs and Blu-rays. <laughs> oh Jesus! So so are the kids pretending here? I don't think so. I I I, I think that they are under the influence of not her. Like she's not. But a the witch real witch. Yet. But the real witch. Yeah, because they've been you know they've been communing with uh with Black Philip, with Satan himself. Communing with Black Philip. Communing with Lucifer in the form and of then, the And then goat. right here, here we bring it back again. Um, earlier, the imagery we had I'm, was By her. the way, I'm so glad that we found something to talk about through that the, the scene, through the possession scene, because I couldn't even write notes during that. My, I mean, it's... The scene is bug nuts awesome, and my mouth hangs open every time I watch. Just so good. hangs so good. open, and I stare in awe at that scene because I couldn't write shit. So I'm glad we got through that. Um. Okay. So so the father here, they're accusing Thomason 
of witchcraft now at this point. We've right. finally gotten to accusations of her being a witch because we knew it was going to happen, right? She's got boobs. She's prettier than her mom. She's young. It's going to happen. Um, her brother's been looking at her titties, right? And the mother apparently also thinks that um, that the father is being seduced by the daughter, too. There are some hints of that right at the end. Um, and I don't see that in the rest of the I movie. I think they but... could have done it a little bit. I have two very small criticisms of this movie. One, Otherwise, I honestly think it's a perfect movie. Um, one is that I think we could have had just another scene, just another something to show the father being seduced by... Maybe we needed a shot of him looking at her boobies, right? Yeah. Just one little... Yeah, just one. Just one little glance one. over where he's looking at her boobs. I mean, and I would not be surprised if something like that ended up on the cutting room floor, but maybe whatever else happened in that scene wasn't enough to justify, to justify it for that moment. the whole scene. Because one thing I can say about this movie is that it is lean and efficient. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, it, it. like you said, it's... As far like editing, as far as editing is concerned, it's a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I every could've... single scene has more than one purpose, depending on how you read the movie. Uh, you know, depending on what you're getting out of the movie, and you know, just it's got multiple character moments. It's got multiple thematic moments. It's got you know story beats. There's nothing in this movie that shouldn't be here oh yeah you know? absolutely but i could have used just just one little glance or something from and the father to bring up that exactly and that's that, that that's the issue is that maybe we needed a little just, more just, just a just, hair just a touch really um because because i read the subtext in here with the moment when she takes off her father's clothes and has to wash them um, the fact that he always kind of sides with her, doesn't side with her, but he's just softer on her. Yeah. Um, and even though and we're talking about, you know, he lets her take the blame for stuff, but you can see that he feels bad about it. Um, and then when she's accused of being a witch here, he chases her outside and he holds her and he strokes her head just like she was doing to her little brother. We saw mm-hmm. one other scene that paralleled this and it was a super sexual scene. Um and he sits there and holds her before this, before this collapse between the two of them. Um, and then at the end of the movie, we're going to get commentary from the mom saying that she, she after seducing her brother, she was going to try to seduce her father. Right. So, so clearly it's supposed to be in there. But like I said, oh, such a good shot. The kid's feet hanging off the bed. God, it looks like one of those photos where they used to take pictures of dead kids. Yeah, death photos. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah, that's super creepy. They've got little, like, doll feet. Mm-hmm. Um, the premise of this was apparently based on, you know, the 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 actual historical uh, first witch hysteria uh, in colonial New England, which occurred, like, 62 years before the Salem witch trials, um, which, of course, occur- occurred in Massachusetts. And this, you say, maybe New Hampshire area. I think he somewhere? wanted he wanted to find like a New Hampshire look is what he oh, was okay. going for. Okay, because uh, so, at this because at this point they just had colonies. They didn't have there obviously there weren't states yet. So, accepting Salem and confessions, only under one in five women were typically convicted of. Of witchcraft when they were accused. All right, so just twenty percent. And by the way, the nineteen who were hanged for witchcraft in Salem, fourteen were women and five were men. Yeah, and there were several dogs. Okay, no goats. 
no goats. I told you there's no there's no association of goats and witchcraft in in Amer in continental. I guess is what you call it. Also, speaking of uh, this movie's historiosity, or in in American. Did you I'm hear sorry. that amazing word I just made up? This movie's historiosity. Oh, in the spot the- where all the people were hanged is a Walgreens now. Cool. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Historiosity. No, just that the, this movie's a lot of the film's dialogue and story were based on writings from the time, and that's how they got a lot of the language that they get in this movie. And we haven't talked about the language in this movie yet, uh, which is something that we do need to need to address. Um, this movie, I think, is, I mean, poetry, pure poetry. Mm-hmm. I, I would, and this is high praise, and I know what this sounds like. I know th- th- this is high praise, but it's Shakespearean. It really is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's efficient, uh, flowery, maybe, florid. What's the word? Is that the florid? Right? Florid language. Um, I guess so, but but that that sort of, I, I wouldn't call it that because that um, is more like, like fluff fatter fluffier right not not as efficient and lean yeah because the dialogue in this movie everything means something everything gets across it's like i think calling it shakespearean is really good because when you read shakespeare his wasn't really florid no 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 it's incredibly efficient yeah incredibly efficient precise language that means exactly what it intends to mean but it's also it also sounds really beautiful um and and I love like some some examples. Tis no ease to rise on a gray day. The devil holds fast your eyelids. Yeah, right. Like love so, it. we're getting some atmosphere there. We're hitting on some. Uh, we're also touching on religion and stuff. Just in in that line. Um, another one that I love. Look at this fucking goat. <laughs> Oh my god, that goat. <laughs> oh, we just missed a really great exchange where she's like, "Are you witches?" and. Uh, and, and the kids don't deny it. And yeah, they don't deny it. But Mercy's like, "Are you? Are you a witch?" He's <laughs> like, "No." Which the uh, you know that there's no punchline, but the punchline would be that they're both like, "No, I'm not a witch. I'm not a witch either." Damn it! Why are we in this barn? <laughs> why are we locked in this barn? Um, one of the lines that I loved was when the father's out hunting with Caleb, checking the traps. He says, "Soft now." Yeah. Right. Like so much in in just this one tiny expression. I love this. I love the shot of the mother this climbing is down into the grave. Real fucking emotions with Catherine lying down in the grave with Caleb's body. Mm-hmm. Jesus, that's heartbreaking. It's so good. I mean, yeah that 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 go, that goes way beyond like you know supernatural witch shit happening and you know oh he he died because he was possessed by the devil. It's like no, they lost their son. Like their son is dead. Um, here's him chopping more wood, trying to conquer that nature. That's never going to happen. And the and look at the wood. I mean, that's the thing is that the wood that he's chopping. Look how much firewood he has. Yep. He's standing in front of it, and ultimately, the product of him conquering nature is him literally being buried in. Yeah, you're right. In the end, he's, he is he is buried, buried by the wood that, that he is firewood. Chopped. Yep. And I mean, she she calls him out on it too. She yells at him. She just did. Uh, Thomason yelled at him for all you do is chop wood. You can't hunt. You can't. You can't uh, farm. All you can do is chop wood. Yep. Um. 
Yeah, this is a another good scene where he is, eats dirt and stuff. Yeah, totally. The Oscar clip. Yeah, this is a great scene when he puts the dirt in his mouth. Um, yeah, this is the Oscar clip for Ralph Ineson. Uh, he almost definitely won't be nominated. I would be surprised if this movie got nominated for anything at the Oscars, but it should because I don't know. It'll probably get like costume or something, right? Get some kind of nomination for that. You know what? It maybe the costumes something in this are technical. so good. I mean, yeah, technical stuff, right? As much as it should for for performances. Oh my god, yeah. And for musical score oh, and for yes. direction and we for even cinematography. Talk, we haven't even <laughs> talked about the score. It's so good. I mentioned good. it a little bit. Yeah, but it's great. I mean, the fact that it's such a modern score over over such a period piece, it's oh, it's so haunting and awesome. Because part of it is like right from the get-go. That first scene where they are traveling out of the town into the woods and we immediately get this terrifying music and nothing and scary is happening. It's just the woods. They're just going into the woods. But, but with that music, it's the scariest fucking woods you've ever seen. And it's broad right. daylight. And it sets the tone. You are immediately, you immediately understand, I should be afraid of these these woods. Right. I should be terrified of what is happening to these people right now, just because of the music. I mean, I, and I hate, I, I don't hate to, but I think it's fair to draw this comparison again. It kind of reminds me of The Shining, the beginning of The Shining. Mm, yeah. Um, right. When they're, when they're like traveling up to the hotel and well, stuff. Well, he is traveling alone, but yeah, that just those big sweeping shots and that mm-hmm. score, it's just, yeah, something is amiss. Uh, this right here, uh, and going back to comparisons with Antichrist, I feel like this, you know, uh, scenes like the one we're about to see where she sees uh, ghosts. I don't know if they're ghosts, but, you know, representations of of specters, if you will, of... Uh, and her silver cup is there. And her, sil- oh, her silver cup is there. I didn't notice that before. Yeah, her silver cup is there and uh, her baby is there and her son... Um, Caleb is there and she ends up taking the baby. We'll see in this scene, she, she ends up taking the baby and it becomes a crow and starts pecking at her breast. Right. Um, which is a scene that I feel like could very well be an antichrist. Like not, not unlike the scene of uh, genital mutilation in, mm-hmm. in antichrist um, where, I mean, even in that scene after, after uh, both of the couple's uh, genitals have been mutilated, um, you know, she looks over. I think it's uh, what's her name, Charlotte Gainsborough. She looks over and sees the animals inside the cabin with them. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the fox and the crow and some something else. Um, yeah, I think there are a lot of parallels. I haven't heard a lot of people compare this to Antichrist though, and I wonder if I'm way off base with that. But it just feels. Oh, I right. read something that did. I read okay. something that did. Um, and then I love this too, where, where they're hearing things on the roof while they're inside that little barn together. What happens to these kids? I, I don't know. They just vanish, but what happens to them? You think they get made into kid mash? I think maybe they get, probably because all of the witches around the fire at the end of the movie are young looking Mm. and they had to, they had to get that from somewhere. They had to get that baby mash from somewhere. They had to get that baby mash from somewhere. So they get them little kids. And these kids are bigger, so they make a lot of mash. It's true. And they make a lot of baby sauce. It's useful. Um, this moment right here, I love this. And again, we, we've we seen the, the old witch before, uh, and then we saw her as a young witch, and now she's back to an old witch, and she's... 
I guess, milking the goat or something for blood, goat, goat's blood. Yeah, um, this was the goat that um, that was when she was milking it, she got blood. Blood in milk in, is not... Uh, yes. I love it. I love it. The classic cackling, hook-nosed old lady witch, and then cut to... Willow would be very upset. Yeah. And then cut to, you know, Catherine having her booby munched on by a raven. Ugh. She would complain that that's not what witches look like. Oh, Willow from Buffy. Willow from Buffy. Right. Anyways, um, what was I trying to say? Apparently, Eggers writes desired smells into his screenplays. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Can you smell this movie? Mm, if I could, it would smell bad. Yeah, that's what people say. You can smell the dung on the screen, they say. I I, I would say that, but it, at the same time, I think so much of this movie is cool. It's, it's you know, like this, you know, shots like this are uh, almost blue, white and blue. Bow sawed um, lumber. That was the phrase I was looking for. Yeah, like these outdoor scenes are cool and almost desaturated. I feel like color has a lot to do with my perception of how something smells. And I feel like if I feel like cold doesn't smell, if it's warm, I feel like, you know, shit's cooking. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? If I felt like it was sweltering uh, and that were depicted in the color palette uh, and in, you know, the sweat and the you know the condition of their clothing and stuff like that god i love that his face and his wife's face they are both so puritan looking so strange looking totally totally and another parallel i feel with antichrist a little bit is that uh kate dickey i feel has is a very similar looking woman to charlotte gainsborough from from uh, antichrist and he just gets gored by that black Philip. Oh, God. Oh, look at that goat. That goat jumping around. That goat is just black terrible. Phil- black Philip is a great movie villain. <laughs> he is so good. He's like the shark from Jaws. <laughs> um, black Philip, there were some things on his Twitter feed I was reading about, like how him and the bear from The Revenant should should team up to do like a buddy movie or something. <laughs> a buddy cop movie. With animals. Buddy evil animal Buddy movie. evil animal cop movie. That could be the sequel to Zootopia. Uh, there was a thing on Twitter about how there wasn't enough Black Phillip in Zootopia. <laughs> <laughs> I think that oh movie did God. need some Black Phillip. Oh my God, that goat. I just So yeah, like, look at all that wood back there. Yeah. Like all the wood that he didn't cut, but then all the wood that he did cut that they would never go through. Like they'd never use that much. Um. And he literally gets buried in the product of him trying to conquer this wilderness. I do feel like that's part of his sin. And it goes hand in hand with the pride that he mentioned that his, you know, his sin is pride. Um, but yeah, so this is, this is the morning after they were locked up. And of course we saw the goats, the other two goats, the white goats were killed and, and disemboweled. And, uh, and the barn is just all destroyed. Yeah, the barn's destroyed and the kids are gone. I love how you can you can tell the state of distress that these women are in and how much they've given up by their hair. So like now her head covering is gone and her mother's about to come out and her mother's hair is going to be totally down. Totally yeah. completely down, no longer braided or anything, see? And then right here her daughter's hair is now down but still braided. 
And then by the end of the movie, her daughter's hair will be unbraided too. And it just show it just slowly shows like like their state of like their mental condition basically, and how much they've given up and given up, or how much the world has just put on them and they can't take anymore. Um. And so here's the mom finally accusing the daughter. Oh, uh, going back to like putting putting characters in close confines together. The character. It's just good writing. This yeah, movie is obviously totally. it's just good writing, but you can break it apart and see where the good writing is like like um like mentioning the cup early on and having this this piece of conflict that we know is going to come up later in the yeah. movie that's going to have to be resolved. Um uh, and then we had her, we had Thomason locked in a barn with the twins and, and they were besides her mother, her biggest, her biggest problem was with, was with the twins. It, she had the most tension with the twins and then we locked them in a barn together. Right. And then here at the very end of the movie, it's Thomason and her mother in close confines because everybody's dead. So again, good, good storytelling is you take the characters that have have the most conflict between them and you stick them together and force them to duel it out. So. Oh, when she kills her mom here. All right. So, so right here, this tears it right. So her weeping and sobbing and crying without even a A hint of a tear in her eye. I'm sorry. Oh, that tears right it. Here. I, I, no, please. No, stop acting. Can we just please, <laughs> can we just please back up and do just you, refilm this? Do you, does no one have some menthol spray? Like, that's what you do. If your actress can't cry, or actor for that matter, you'd use the menthol drops or the menthol spray and you make that shit happen. This, this is, I said I had two complaints about this movie or critiques. Um, uh, you can critique positively, but negative critique. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, and the first I, one was that I frequently that, critique things I love. So um, the first, the first one was that I want just a just a hint of the seduction with the father. Just you know, like I said, right. just one glance at the boobs or whatever. Um, and the second one is that moment right there. I can deal with Thomason's acting through this whole movie. I can handle all of it just fine. And right here, I'm fine. She can go back to being blank because throughout a lot of the movie, she plays kind of this blank, wide eyed sort of like I'm dealing with the world around me and I don't know how to. And I'm fine with that. I think this is an important shot here. Um, We've got Thomasine walking away from her home and her two dead parents with her mother's blood on her is so symbolic and foreshadowing of a young woman striking out to make her own life and leaving her old one behind. I think that's... And there's Caleb. She's looking at Caleb's grave right there. Yeah. She's facing it. I love how she just goes inside and goes to sleep on the table. She takes off her clothes and she goes to sleep on the table. I yep. love it. Um, because what the fuck are you going to do? <laughs> like, really? Right at this moment? Um, but but anyways, that that is the second moment right there. When she kills her mother and she is sobbing, all of the other times where her performance was a little weak, I can totally deal with. But in that moment, I need her to cry. I really, really need her to cry. Yeah. 
just for a minute, just for a minute. And then you can go back to to the sort of blank acting, which I don't mean to criticize like that because it's a character and it's fine. Um, this here where it's she's sort of numb. I'm fine with with the no crying now. But that moment I need it. Um, they shot this movie in 25 days. I read 26. 26 days. <laughs> they shot this movie somewhere around there. 25 or 26 days. That's amazing to me. A little over three million. Is that right? Uh, I don't have the budget in That's here. That's what but I think it was. Yeah, it's small, very small movie. Small movie that made its money back for sure. Robert Eggers has a career for for sure now. Things Eggers said he didn't put in the movie, though he, I guess he thought about because it's part of witch lore. He didn't put extra teats on the witch's labia or anus, which would be used to feed their familiars. <laughs> He mentioned he didn't do that. Okay. Um, he also didn't put put in witches stealing penises because okay, that because w- that's mostly a Czech thing. He okay. Said. That would have been interesting though, right? Stealing some penis. Dick, um, dick thief. So funny. Oh, look at that black Philip. Mm. Oh, I love me some black Philip. So he calls Hocus Pocus crappy, but it's apparently like his favorite witch movie. Oh, that's so <laughs> cute. Yeah, I don't really like that movie. Either. He's like, that he's was like it's crappy, but was, I love it. That was a movie we did in our, on our very first month. You don't of, like? Did you just say you don't like Hocus Pocus? Not really. No. Okay. Why? Why would I like that? I like things about it. I like. I like the witches. I well, like. He I admits think, that he loves Hocus Pocus. I think Bette Midler is kind of great, <laughs> but that's just that's just me in general thinking Bette Midler is kind of great. Um, Stephen King said that he was terrified by this film. Oh, yeah. Not that we care what Stephen King fucking says anymore, but that's, I guess, interesting. Um, oh, oh, the uh, the hallucinogenic fungus that was growing on the rod on the corn is called ergot or ergo? E-R-G-O-T. Oh, and I was going to talk about how I was trying to say how blood in milk from goats... Um, is not like a crazy witch thing, which I mean, we all know that, right? But but obviously, it's like uh, you very often is mastitis, I believe is how you say it, mm-hmm. and that's like where you've got swelling and inflammation of the udders. And and guess what? Surprise! It also happens to women after they give birth. That happens a lot. So um, wow, it's like an infection and stuff that you can get. As I understand, it really fucking sucks. And did you know that this that never this was kind of a mini Game of Thrones reunion for Ralph Innocent and Kate Dickey? They were both in Game of Thrones. Kate Dickey, of course, we know because she had a prominent right. role. Uh, Ralph Innocent was one of the Ironborn, the cleft jaw, something, something, okay. something, cleft okay. jaw. Yeah, yeah, he was in the yeah, Iron yeah. Did we miss the? Uh, we missed the line. Ah, damn it! Damn it! Oh wait, no, we didn't. Here it is. What's that like to see the world? Uh, is that right? No, I think we did. No, no, no. We, we already, missed we already Fuck. missed it. Okay, so the best line in this movie, and maybe the best line in any, any movie, movie ever of the past maybe ten years is, "Wouldst thou like to live deliciously?" <laughs> I love that shit. This shot right here of the book was our hint. And uh, Alexa Balion uh, correctly identified the movie. Uh, and I think we've basically covered everything she wanted us to talk about. We talked about Black Phillip and how awesome he is. Uh, she wanted us to talk about how bad, in her words, uh, the new Blair Witch movie is. And we still haven't seen it, so we can't we can't comment. Um, we talked about her favorite line, the best line, What's Thou Like to Live Deliciously? Uh, and I don't think we did not mention the accents in the movie. 
Well, we've talked about the language. We talked about the language, but the accents specifically are broad. Oh, that shot too, her naked walking into the oh, woods yeah, with amazing. the goat coming behind. Um, the the accents they used in this movie are broad North Yorkshire accents, which are, as I understand it, as close an approximation as they could get to to what they would be, what they would sound like uh, at this time and place. Uh, in colonial America. Um, but yeah, as uh, as Black Philip walks behind the book in that shot, that was our hint. One leg is a goat leg and the other leg is a human leg. Yeah, and that, I, I don't know. I tried to look it up. I know that the voice of Black Philip is, is a male model. His name is like Wahab Chandri. I'm sure I'm massacring his the pronunciation of his name. He's a pretty guy. I think that it's also the guy who walks around her and looks like a pirate. It probably is. He totally looks like a pirate. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, he's a male model. So, right? The devil's a male model. Uh, and I think the the woman who played the, the young witch, the pretty witch, is also... I think also, they got baby guts smeared on them. I think she's also a model. The, the woman who played the young... Uh, the, um, I mean, right? Why not? Rich. Right? Like, if you're, if all you need is just their voice or or their body for a shot, then sure, get exactly what you want. Don't worry about it. I fucking love this ending. Um, Can I. So the fact that she says, "I cannot write my name," because she doesn't know how. Her right. brother can read. They taught her brother how to read because he yeah. reads from the Bible, and the girl can't even write her name. Fuck yeah, she's gonna be a witch. Right? This is amazing. I'm sorry. This ending is just okay. The ending to this movie, where she goes off into the woods, she makes the deal with the devil, makes the deal with Black Philip, who is Lucifer, walks into the woods naked, finds a coven of witches chanting uh, in in Elokian or whatever the name of the language is. Is that right? I don't know. I think Enochian. That's right. Uh, chanting in Enochian mostly, dancing around a fire, and then floating up into the treetops, and then she starts to float and becomes one of the witches. She's going to live deliciously. I love that 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 this movie embraces something so concrete mm-hmm. because the feeling, and we talked about this before the atmosphere that this movie gives off, you would expect a movie like this to be more ambiguous. Right. That, to end with like, was it really or right. not? To or? end with a question mark. Did they all just go crazy in the woods and kill each other and shit like that? Was there never a witch was, you know, all a big question mark because, uh, if you end with something too concrete that really cements this as like a supernatural genre piece of genre fiction, uh, then it somehow isn't taken as seriously mm-hmm. uh, by academics and so-called this intellectuals. Is, this is my favorite kind of genre fiction. This is my favorite kind of what I read and what I watch. Something where it's the kind of stuff that I strive to write, being completely honest, um, where it's something that is researched and researched and researched meticulously tediously researched and you get all the details right and in the end it is poetic and it's beautiful and it's precisely what you want it to be art it's art it's great art and then at the same time you have your fucking baby baby mash making witch in the woods and girl at the end signs the devil's book and floats up into the sky right i mean right Oh, I love it. it. It's a it's a movie about people who 
it's a really at its at its core it's a movie about people who are constantly in fear of of uh sating those primal desires but as a piece of genre fiction it understands the importance of sating those primal desires so to speak and also i, I in think giving you what you want as an audience member i want to see fucking witches i want to see a cackling hook-nosed witch like, and i that's think also I it's it it earns those moments. Definitely. It does the leg work and it builds everything else around it. And it becomes such a beautiful piece of art standing alone that it earns those moments. It's kind of like how in the Linda game of Muir, look at that name, Linda Muir. She might have an Oscar in a couple of months in the George R. R. Martin books, right? You, you basically, how many books is it till we see a fucking dragon? Right? Like it yeah. takes so long to get those fantasy beats because we spend so much time earning them. I think that that's a that's an interesting comparison and I think that works really well is is the the Song of Ice and Fire series, at least the books. Um because you're right. Like it spends so time so much time establishing its credibility mm-hmm. as a, a dramatic piece of almost historical right. It feels fiction. like it, it feels the books like feel fiction. like historical fiction for a long time, and then eventually uh, historical dramatic fiction. I right. mean, it's m- majority drama, and then eventually, you know, like like I always describe them is it's like it's like historical drama with a hint of dragons. And of course, by, you know, later, later in the series, like we've got all sorts of shit going on. But but I mean, it earns it. It earns it by world building so hard and by doing so much research and having it be so legit. The characters are so real. It's so legitimate. And this movie does the same kind of thing where we believe it's we believe in this world and in these people so much. We believe they are so real that when you give us our cackling baby mashing, Mm -hmm. which we believe that, too. Sure. It earns it. It's so. Mm, I so love it. yes, um, great movie. One of my favorites of the year. Oh, uh, we need to mention though why she. Why does she do it in the end? Why does she sign the book in the end? Right, because she has, that's one of those. Because things. she has nothing else. She's she's seen how. I mean, what happens to her family is as much a product of their religion as it was a product of of a witch. And I think that she sees that and instead of, you know, continuing, I mean, she's what else does she have to live for? And honestly, it's kind of a happy ending, right? Kind of. Yeah. Right. And that's my thing that I have been bitching about this whole month with um, with the movies that I picked uh, with Teen Witch. And uh, what was the other movie we watched? Uh, it was last week, The Craft. The Craft, right? Which is that it condemns the witchcraft in the end. In the end, sure. it's like, it's okay, this was fun, but it's bad and you shouldn't do magic and kind you shouldn't. craft, I don't know. Well, well, I mean, she sort of keeps her powers at the end, but all the other girls don't get to, right? And this movie, at the end of it, lets us enjoy it. We get to leave the movie Which knowing. Is probably why this movie is, has officially been endorsed by the Church of Satan. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of awesome. Oh, it is kind of awesome. Anyway, uh, that's going to bring us to the end of another episode of Pumpkin Poops. The, actually, the end of, of, of our month of, of uh, no. Pumpkin Poops. 
uh, the end of hashtag witch month. As always, you can find us on our website at popcornpoops.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at popcornpoops or individually. I am at Dusty Cram Cram. I'm at J Casper Kramer. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or on our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash thepixelpoops. Uh, if you want to support the show, we do have a merchandise shop. You can also donate to us d- donate to us directly on our website by clicking that donut button. Uh, or you can sign up for an Audible trial at audibletrial.com slash popcornpoops. Uh, every week we like to highlight a friend of the show uh, who we call our Poo Pals. And this week our Poo Pal is the Projection Booth Podcast. And you can find them at pro- projection-booth.com. Uh, next week, nay, next month what are we doing well it will no longer be halloween that's true and it's not christmas yet no so what are we thankful for we are thankful for 80s fantasy movies that's right apparently (laughs) because next week we'll be starting hashtag 80s fantasy month and since it's my pick we're kicking things off with richard donner's 1985 film ladyhawk oh this this is going to be a fun month, uh, and that's a pretty fun movie, and I think we're going we're gonna to have a good time this next month. Also Not- a really good band. <laughs> okay, also a really good band. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see how many band and music references that we can, we can find in the next month of 80s fantasy movies. But, yep, that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, take care. Bye-bye. We are the Pumpkin